Well, good morning. Man, wasn't that incredible? Have them lead us in worship. You know, I, I don't know. I was thinking about this as, you, you know, they spend weeks learning this music. Can you think of the discipleship that is going on, the learning that they're doing as they work on these songs? Man, it's, you know, it's not just singing a song, man. They're really learning about, well, to say the names of Jesus, I guess would be it. But so exciting to have them leading us like that. What a, a great morning of worship. Well, we had, uh, we had quite a day last week uh, here at the Heights. We had just a, a little over 4,100 people here for Easter Sunday last week. And when I say... When I say a little over, I mean like as little as you can get. We had 4,101. So one person over 4,100. But you know when you have people over at the house, you know, you, you want to be proud. You want to be excited about, about what they're saying. And I'm just so grateful. This Doesn't your church always give us that opportunity as individuals to be excited, to be proud about what God is doing here? And there's so many individuals, so many groups that make that up, that make that possible. But man, I I hate to start calling out groups, but two last week that just was so proud of, I mean, always our worship arts ministry, media all the way up to worship art. Don't they make you proud every single week? And you know when you bring people for Easter, that's that's going to be so good. So just thankful for them. And how about our parking team? Can we ever thank them enough for what they do. They, uh, I mean, folks, that's usually our big stress, to be honest with you, as we move toward Easter is, I mean, we don't want it to be a frustrating experience for y'all or to take a long time moving on and off and everything. And uh, man, the, the parking team, just they just pick that up and they, they run with it. And they're the first line. That's the first line that, that people see and experience as they come onto our campus and come into our front door. And, and every week, they make us so proud. And then you do something like last week and you realize, man, they're really good at at what they do. You know, if you're looking to get involved in a ministry here at the Heights, I would highly recommend our parking team. Now, you have to be a little willing to get wet every now and then, sometimes kind of cold, sometimes kind of hot, but they are a, a, a tremendous team and a tremendous ministry that makes such a difference in what everybody experiences here. So you're interested in that, man. There's a, there's a desk kind of on the left side of center as you're going out. Go up there and ask them about, hey, how would I get a part of the parking team? And there'll be, there'll be somebody there to help you. It's a tremendous, tremendous ministry here. Well, folks, we, we come to church and, and a lot of times we come to church because we need answers, right? Man, we've got a need in our life, something we want fixed, something we want dealt with, something we want fulfilled. And, and you know, we, we kind of anticipate God has an answer. God has a, a way for this. And while we even know that and can be wanting that, that sometimes kind of conflicts with another feeling that is going on. And that's, you know, I just want what I want and, and I want it now. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, you do know what I'm talking about. We all know what that means. I I want what I want. Okay, so God has a way, but I I need this now and I need it my way. Man, just think of the volume of needs, the volume of issues that we're always kind of carrying around. Man, we want sexual pleasure. We want love. We want acceptance and approval. Want revenge. 
want financial security. Hey, I just, I want some help. I need, I need some help here. I need some, I need some rest. Maybe your big need is, I need them to change. Or just go entirely away. Right? We got all these, these different needs. And, and folks, here's the wonderful thing. God actually wants to serve and meet many, if not all, of those needs. But he has a way, right? God has a way that those can rightly be fulfilled. Sometimes with those needs, there's a timing. It's not just a way, but there's even a timing to that need being filled. And that's where the rub comes in, right? I mean, the the, the problem sometimes is, is my wanting strength far exceeds my waiting on God's strength. My, my trusting that God has a way strength. And, and do you know when that, when that wanting strength becomes strong enough, do you know we'll replace God? We'll replace Him. We'll, we'll replace the one being in the universe that is consistently, faithfully, always for your well-being. Man, I trust that God has some good people around you, some people that love you, support you, provide for you. But as wonderful as those people not, might be, they, they can't always be for you. None of us can. Only God does that. And, and we replace them. Bad decision. Bad decision. Turn with me today to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 8. Uh, you'll find 1 Samuel about of a quarter of the way through your, your Bible. Uh, it's right after Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. And then you get to the other side and it's 2 Samuel, Kings and Chronicles. So if you're kind of thumbing through, that's the neighborhood that you're looking for. And in our trek through studying the whole Bible this year, that has us today in 1 Samuel chapter 8, chapter 13, and chapter 15. And man, are these significant chapters. I mean, these are, these are some huge chapters in the history of Israel. We're going to meet their first king, Saul. We're going to be introduced to, he's not going to become king yet, but we're going to be introduced to David. Be arguably one of the biggest names in the entire Bible. And so there's a lot going on in just these handful of chapters right here. And we see people dealing with issues just, just like we deal with. I mean, we're going to see Saul. Man, he's chosen by God. He's blessed and anointed by God. And, and then we're going to see him lose all that. We're, we're going to see him lose every bit of that. And for... For a really simple reason. I mean, he's going to lose the kingdom. He's going to lose his sanity. He's going to lose his sanity. And of course, that affects relationships, doesn't it? And you know how it all started? Just looking around. You know, just you're looking around at what's going on around you. And instead of staying focused on the Lord, you get anxious, you get angry, you get worried. There's a variety of emotions that come when we're just constantly looking around instead of staying focused on the Lord. And man, we see him lose so much for that very reason. There's a lot to learn here in these chapters. I'm going to focus today, though, just on one chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 8, and this idea about, about replacing God. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 8, and I'm going to begin in, in verse 1. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. And they were judges in Beersheba. 
Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but they turned aside after gain. They took bribes and and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together, and they came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you're old. Well, that's a nice how do you do. Hey, you old codger, you're in the way. (laughs) Oh, gosh, behold, you're old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. Now let me, let me stop right there. What do you do when you're displeased? Because if you live on earth, you're displeased about something. So let me rephrase the question. What did you do in the last seven days when you got displeased about something? Do you sit there and kind of work it up in your mind and build it and build it until it gets bigger and bigger and you're just more? Or do you call somebody else and get them worked up over the displeasure? Or do you attack? Do you attack the source of that displeasure? Hey, you got to figure out. We live in a world that's displeasing. What do you do next? Well, look what Samuel did. It says, but this thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed. Well, there's a novel idea. I mean, there's a whole lesson right there. We're not even going to cover that today. But man, is that a big need, a big lesson, what Samuel just showed us here. He prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all they say to you. For they've not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who will reign over them. And then in verses 10 through 18, that's what Samuel does. He begins to warn them, okay, you're going you're gonna to get this king, and, and here's what's going to happen. You, you remember I said a moment ago, okay, God is the only one faithfully, consistently, always acts, always speaks to our well-being. The things we replace God with do not do that. I'm not saying they can't do it a little bit. I'm not saying they can't do it some. But they don't do it consistently. And some don't do it at all. Did you know there's people out there that are not one bit interested in your (laughs) well-being? People that will actually work against your well-being? And so that's what Samuel starts to warn them. Hey, you know, not every king you're going to have is going to be good. And and this is what's going to happen. And look at their response in, in verse 19. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, there shall be a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations. So Israel asks for a king. And you just heard Samuel there. He got a little put out by that, kind of took it took it personal, right? Took it as they were wanting to replace him, didn't like him. And, and so he prays and God says, no, 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 no. This, this is not about you. Don't, don't worry about what they're asking. They're, they're rejecting me. Now I want to think about that for a moment. Why does God say that they're rejecting him? Why is, why is God taking that personal. I mean, is wanting a king a bad thing? Is, is, that, a, is that a moral issue? No, n- not at all. As a matter of fact, it goes back to some, some pretty basic needs. They want security. 
You know, the the king, especially in that day and age, more like a five-star general, he's the one leading the army. He's, He's the one out there protecting, giving security. He's their champion. And, and, and of course, they want, they want governance. They want justice. They want, they want somebody bringing about the law and, and being consistent with the law. Hey, listen, you, you start talking about, I, I need justice. I need security and protection. We need leadership. Man, these are basic needs inside a home. Of course, there are needs in, in a whole nation, and a king plays a big role in that. So what's the big deal in asking for a king? How is that? rejecting God. And, and you know what? We can stir it up even a little more. God already had a plan for giving them a king. God already knew they would want a king. When I say already knew, I mean like hundreds of years prior. By the time we get to Samuel, we're now a couple hundred years past Moses. We spent a lot of this year looking at, at Moses, but Moses back there in Deuteronomy chapter 17 verse 14, God spoke through him and said, hey, when they get to the promised land, you're going to want a king. You're, you're going to need a king. And so when you get there, here's how to get a king. So if God already had a plan, if God already had a way then why is God calling it rejection for them to ask for a king? You ready for a big fancy answer? Because they are rejecting them. Man, there's a huge thing here, folks. Understand, this is something every one of us needs to hear. Wanting something right, wanting something good, does not mean your heart is pure. That does not mean... Any way you going about getting it is right and good. And folks, we do that. As long as it's a good thing, it's a right thing that I'm going after, well then however I get there. I mean, that's as long as I'm not hurting anybody, right? You know, no, we can want right and good things and still have impure motives. We can still go about getting it in a wrong way. They did want to replace God. They did want to replace Him as king. And God had never failed them as king. What, you, you want a champion? You want a champion of the army? Man, God, God defeated Egypt. I mean, they didn't even lift a finger in defeating Egypt. God did that entirely by himself. And then, and then decades later, as they come into the promised land, God, God leads the army, and it's one victory after another. Some of it by supernatural means, like when the walls of Jericho fell, Right? And then other times it wasn't supernatural means. It was just God blessing, providing, protecting, and, and helping the army get that success. So, so God was a faithful and good champion. A governor? Man, God gave him the laws. God gave him the laws to govern an individual, to govern a home, to govern, to govern an entire country. God had no way failed them as a king. So, so why do they want another king? Why do they want to replace them? You know, I really, I think the, the issue is as simple as capital K. There was a capital K in the universe. There's no way you defy this king. And we all have a little K king right here inside us, don't we? We all have a little king right You know, I don't, I don't have to do it God's way. And I know what I want. I know what I need. I know, I know how to get that. Why, why, why do you have to do it 
God's way or why do you have to wait on God? No, God, God's ways never failed me. Never any proof that it's failed anybody. No, God's words never broken, but still it's no big deal. It's no big deal. If I, if I do it my way, we, we want that little K. We want that little K king in charge of things. And folks, we will replace God for what we want. For what we want right now. My way. We'll replace God. And, and you know, when we go to replace the real God with a false God, you know what God does? He just, there you go. Have at it. I, I don't mean to imply God doesn't care. No, God will encourage you not to do that. God will discipline. The Bible says God disciplines. I don't want to be disciplined. Yeah, but God disciplines those whom he loves. He will discipline us. He will try to keep us from going that way. But you know what God will not do ever? He will never conquer you. You know, many of the things that you and I will put over us, many of the things we'll yield ourselves to because that's going to be the answer, absolutely will conquer us. People will conquer us. Things will conquer us. Situa- God will never conquer you. And yet we need, to, we need to replace Him. But He will not fight you. He will not kidnap you. He will not force you to praise Him, to acknowledge Him. To obey him. So if you just demand I want something else. He'll, he'll slide out of the way. And you leave the real God. And you go and get the false. Because false is your only option when you leave the real. There, there's not another real. There's not a better real. No, no false is now your option. The false. The fake. And the fatal. And you know what folks. You and I can take good things. Things that are good, things that are meant to be a part of life, and we can turn them into the false and the fake and the fatal when we're using those things to replace God. And I cannot think of a better illustration than the United States of America right now. Now, I know we don't have all kinds of gods because we're very scientific and not superstitious and all that. And uh, boy, if you believe that, you, you're believing in a fantasy world. We have, we have gods and idols all over this country. And the biggest god, okay, this is an opinion statement. The biggest god in the United States of America is sex. We bow at the altar of sex. It is our identity. It is our worth. It is now running the corporate world. It is now running government. Everything is about bowing at the altar of sex. Now let's remember, sex is a good thing. That is a good thing that God designed and that God gave. And it has a good purpose. His way, His timing. We step out of that way, we step out of that timing, and it becomes false, it becomes fake, and it becomes fatal. And all of our freedoms, this is statistically provable, by the way, we now say we're less satisfied with sex than ever before. But wait, I've got all this freedom now, and my, my way, we're less satisfied. We don't, we don't experience love. As a matter of fact, when we finally get into the loving relationship, all the garbage we did before, we now have to carry into that loving relationship and it's not serving. We made it false. We made it fa- fatal. Well, no, no, nobody's dying because of that. Come on, pastor. Really? Tell about a hundred million abortions that nobody's dying for that. Tell them that. 
You know, folks, I've always thought one of the greatest proofs that God's way works is on everything he says about sex. Kind of an issue in America, kind of an issue all over the world, STDs. Do you know when you take one man and one woman in marriage and they've only had sex with each other their whole lives, that person never in the history of humanity has contracted an STD. It doesn't happen to anybody. It only happens outside of God's way. You can take a good thing and you can break it. You can take a good thing and you can make it false and fake and fatal when that thing becomes your God, when it becomes your identity, when it becomes your source of meaning and worth. And it's not just sex. And it's not just big things. Folks, we can make gods out of little things, our little issues, our, our needs, whatever we've got going on in our lives. And so in verses 10 to 18, I, I didn't read it, but God says, hey, you need to warn. Now, king is a good thing. I've got a plan for giving you a king. But the way you're approaching it, the reason you're doing this, you need to warn them, hey, this is what can happen because that person's not going to always be out for your best interest. And so Samuel goes to him and says, okay, now you want to replace God because you don't want him telling you what you can and can't do so that you can have a king who will, who, who will, well, shoot, he's going to tell me what I can and can't do. That, that makes no sense, but yeah, that's exactly what we do. Folks, it is amazing how much sense we think we make when we're making the dumbest decisions. We are brilliant on our way to stupidity. Yeah, you can tweet that. That was a good one right there. (laughs) Put my name with it. But seriously, we are. Everything makes so much. I don't need no God over. Why do I have to live by the morality of a bunch of Jews wandering around in the desert 3,000 years ago? I don't need to live under that shame. I don't need to live under that guilt. I'm, you know what? I'm free. I'm free. So I'm going to enslave myself to sex. So I'm going to enslave myself to money. So I'm going to enslave myself to drugs and alcohol. So I'm going to enslave myself to the almighty acceptance of others. Boy, there's where we make some of our greatest decisions in life. Wanting to be accepted by others. And do these other things that we make God, that we make king in our lives, do they look out for our best interest? You know, when, when I say that, let me, let me define what I mean. So, so there's the real God, and he tells us things we can and can't do, right? Like, let's take a simple one, a little one. We all know God says this. God says, don't lie. Now, why does God say to you and me, don't lie? Is is it because he's up there in heaven going, because I'm God and I get to make up the rules. And I'm going to decide who gets in and who doesn't. You got to obey my rules. Has nothing at all to do with why God says don't lie. First of all, God says don't lie because he's truth. Y'all have heard me say that before. Every command of scripture is an extension of God's character. These aren't just random rules he's made up for a game. They're extensions of who he is. But every rule is for your and my well-being. Let's not forget, he created everything. 
It's all his. He created you. He designed relationships. And so God says, hey, listen, I know that inside you there's going to be this incredible belief that if you lie, you'll profit. It'll get you out of trouble over here. It'll get you something you want over here. And you may see it work for a moment. But I'm telling you, because I know how the world works. I know how you work. I know how relationships work. If you lie, you're going to break down. And if you lie, your relationships are going to start breaking down. It's for you that God says it won't work. It won't work. Don't do that. It breaks things. Don't lie. That's for our world. Does money, does money look down the road for me and say, hey, listen, for your physical and emotional well-being, I've got some, some concerns. I need you to do this and not do that. Or I'm looking at some of your relationships. No, of course money doesn't do that. Money doesn't do that. Sex doesn't do that. People don't do that. Folks, the world has nothing to offer that even equals, much less betters, what God is giving to you and me. All the world can do is give you, right now, your way. But right now, in my way, often, if not always, does not serve my well-being. And the well-being of those around me. God's way does. God's commands are for you. Oh, the, oh, the prayer of Psalm 119. Make me. Make me, God. Follow in the path of your commands. That's where my happiness is. That, it's not in lying. It, it, it's not in replacing you. Happiness is in your commands. Oh, when we have to start praying, God, God, make me. He's not really in the business of making. He's not really in the business of conquering and beating you into submission. God, would you, would you make me? Hey, I got, I, got a, uh, I got a good homework assignment for you this week. Psalm 119. Read Psalm 119 this week and you'll be able to say, I've read the longest chapter in the Bible because Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. As a matter of fact, it's 175 verses. <sighs> That's a long chapter, isn't it? And every single verse is about what this book can mean in your life. So while you read it, and this is like 10, 15 minutes of homework. While you read it, have a, have a pencil and a paper right there. You don't have to turn it in. You don't have to bring it back next week. You can throw it away. But I think, I think you'll find this helpful. As you're reading, just make, start making a list. What, when I read, study, and here's the big one, obey God's commands, what's the benefit in my life? What, what comes to me? What, is, what, what does that do for me to read, study, and obey the, the Bible? And just make a list of the benefits. I really believe you're going to be pretty impressed. I really believe you're going to look at a list there and say, Oh, wow, I need... Well, well, I need this whole list. Oh, folks, the King of Heaven speaks for your well-being. And yet the Israelites, and when we say the Israelites, ultimately we're talking about all of us. The Israelites said, no, 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 no. We, we want that little K king. And they do kind of give themselves away. You know, we're trying to, what's the motive? Are they replacing God? What's happening there? They do kind of give themselves away. They said it twice. Did you hear it while I was reading it? They said very, we want to be like the nations around us.
Every person in this room has at least once replaced God. I hope it was only for a moment. Maybe that moment turned into a whole season of life. But every one of us has replaced God because we were watching what was going on around us. We want to be accepted, don't we? I don't, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to look like a fanatic. I don't want to look like a weirdo. I don't want people talking about me. Boy, we make some great decisions when we're wanting people to accept us. We, we have an awful tendency to not want to look like God in how we live in what we value. And we have an incredible tendency to just want to look like the people around us. I, 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 I just want to look like them. And, and, and folks, because we have that tendency, we're always on the look. We're always gazing out there in the world, out there in the culture. What are they saying? What are, what are they doing? What do they value? And do you know that gaze quickens, it breathes life into the sin inside me. The sin's there. The world didn't put the sin in you. The devil didn't put the sin in you. You got that all on your own. But depending on what I'm looking at, folks, the world will quicken. It will enliven that sin in me. The world will quicken that desire to replace God. Man, what you're looking at, what you're looking at has everything to do with what you're going to experience. Am I going to experience the the peace and the presence and the power of God? Or, or, or am I going to replace all that with what is fake and false and fatal? And folks, here's, man, here's the hard part in this. I don't even have to try to look at the world. I mean, it is, it is natural. It is daily. It is automatic. But I actually have to work. I have to work at seeing God. I've got to choose. I've got to, I've got to discipline myself to look at God through His Word, to look at God through His people, to passionately be praying, Jesus, please keep my eyes fixed on you. Because my eyes are always, always wondering, what do they think? What are they, what are they doing? So folks, let's, let's come full circle. Let's go back to where we, we started. So you have, I have, man, I've got needs in life. I've got, some of those needs are just, yeah, they're needs I'd like to get fulfilled at some point. Some of them seem really urgent, seem really critical. They really have us tied up in a, in a knot. I mean, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we want sexual pleasure. We want love. We want acceptance and approval. We want revenge. We want that person to change. We want rest. And God has a way. God has a way and God has a timing. And now when I take God's way and I take God's timing, not only does the need in the, the need in the right way and the right time get met, but I experience that need being met with the power and the peace and the presence of the living God. Or, or I replace it for what the world offers. And the world cannot give you anything like what God gives you. It can only give you right now, my way, which kind of feels good, makes me, makes me king. 
I'm king of the world. Yeah. I am king of what is false, what is fake, and what is fatal. It's not a real good switch. Boy, folks, we have to be so aware of our tendency to replace life with death, truth with lies. We have to, we have to critically, urgently understand how important every single day, because every single day I'm looking around me. So every single day I've got to be looking at God through his word, through his people, passionately praying, Jesus, my savior and my king, keep my eyes fixed on you. I want your way. Because even more than the need you're meeting, man, I want to know your peace and your presence in it. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, would you, would you give us this week wisdom and eyes to see what we are in the process of or what we are already have replaced you with. Lord, may we not trick ourselves into thinking that because we're sitting in a church, we wouldn't be doing that. If we go on from chapter 8 into 13 and 15, we'll see a Saul who totally replaced you while being totally religious. God, let us see what, what we're doing in our lives. Let us see how we're replacing you. And God, may we come back. May we come back to what is real. May we fix our eyes on you. Oh, we want your way. Oh, God, I kind of feel like the psalmist in 119. Make me. (laughs) Make me want your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.